Hi, this is Kurt Griego with another short Field Notes report. It's July the 8th, Monday. It's about uh, 10 o'clock in the morning natural time. You abbreviate that with an NT. And I'm sitting happily in a shaded, a deeply shaded, montane conifer forest at about 1,450 meters. It's a little bit cloudy. It's a little bit cooler than climate average. And I'm out looking for Cassaris guttatus, the great hermit thrush, which suddenly the population here around and in Heartbreak Meadow, very close to where I'm sitting, um, disappeared. And perhaps you can hear in the background, that's a solitary individual singing from high in a tree, and I can't quite see it. It's about two or three hundred meters away. So that's a very happy song in my heart right now, because it means that they're not completely gone. But as far as I can tell, it's the only one. And I've been looking now for a few days. And don't forget the, uh, the great thrush triangle of um, Hermit, Swainson, and Varied. The last Varied thrush I heard in these parts, and I record them, so I listen carefully, I also record in my journal, when they return and depart and whatnot, uh, was about five or six years ago, and since then they haven't come back. And so we're just making note of this. So if you're in Northeast Oregon, keep your ears open, because it's always difficult at first. Is this merely a local a phenomenon? Or is it something uh, that's happening in this area? The fact is, is that there is uh, basically a population collapse. So it must be related to um, nearby disturbances, um, uh, commercial uh, clear-cutting about 400 meters, 500 meters below here, which happened uh, last summer, the summer of uh, 2018, by the uh, notorious East Coast uh, hedge fund, uh, Hancock. They manage forest and then uh, for money, um, just like you would uh, um, stocks in a financial a city corp or something like that, and then contract out um, all the things that have 
to be done from timber harvest to timber cruising to timber replanting and whatnot. But it definitely should not be permitted in my view. But that um, um, being the case, I'm listening to this wonderful hermit thrush. And of course, I frequently have recorded them in duets, trios, quartets. The ridge where I'm just coming down from a little run, I'll normally, on a run, here, and uh, don't forget the uh, caveat, I bird almost exclusively by ear. And there are reasons for that that I don't want to go into now, but almost exclusively by ear. So I'm really not anxious to see our soloist uh, up in probably a uh, grand fur at the very crown singing. But I do listen carefully. <laughs> and study their song religiously, and tape them and analyze them and use them in my music and, and live very closely with them. So it's like you're losing a member of your community circle, and we don't want that to happen. It's one of the most mysterious sounds in the world. It's not very long, as you can hear, but what's so remarkable is that it's the perfect example of uh, what I call in music the simplexity cycle of going from simple to infinitely complex and back again. If you notice, he always begins with a single unison tone. Don't forget there are two vocal chords, singing in pure unison. We only have one. And then he uh, riffs off a flourish, very similar to the closely related Swainson and Very, which are also here. The Very is about uh, four or five hundred meters lower. And the Swainson is still very abundant just as the hermit used to be. So they're everywhere here. But they uh, don't, normally don't sing this time of day. But uh, they're one of the first birds to begin very early natural time, about 3.30 natural time, right after the native invasive of the robin. So he moves from tree uh, crown to tree crown. So he may be coming closer, if we're lucky. So simple to complex and back. And if you notice, you can never predict where he's going to begin his next tone. It's a very rich uh, repertoire. We call that in the circle and the square, our music, dance, and poetry project. 
of the qualitative ground because harmonically it always makes very deep sense. And notice that the tones after the sustained tone in the uh, riff, the flourish, they're um, composite tones. They're frequency modulated, like the uh, singing two tones at once to create a very complex composite sound. Well, if we uh, get a chance uh, later on, I'll make a closer uh, recording closer up and then um, can slow it down in time so that you can hear the complexity of the tones. I might just add here, it popped into mind, that I think it's a great disservice to the music of birds to give mnemonics to them. I'm not going to say what, you know, the little stupid phrases you say. I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> That's uh, a Clippy's music he's doing. I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> uh, because you invariably, for a lifetime then, it's a conditioning, if you're not aware of it, it lasts forever. You'll superimpose that stupid mnemonic, the thing that you use to remember, oh, that's a hermit thrush, on top of the living sound. It's a very destructive uh, evil thing to do <laughs> because you're not listening at all. And it's almost impossible to get rid of. It's hard work to purify one's ears, the mind of that once it's been learned, especially as a child. He's a little bit closer. So I just wanted to make note of that and uh, that it's a very happy moment that uh, he's back. And of course, uh, uh, it's a very storied uh, bird in world and, uh, tradition and North American tradition. It brings tears to my eyes as I speak. And it's the fifth part of uh, T.S. Eliot. Notice I'm not saying the great T.S. Eliot. I do not admire his writing or poetry at all. But it's uh, important because it has shaped much of our um, less interesting literature tradition in the 20th century. But he mentions it in the thunder <laughs> part of... Uh, one of the poems, I can't quite remember the quartets. Or... But much more memorable is from the great uh, Walt Whitman. In the epic ode that he wrote uh, directly after Abraham Lincoln's assassination, a very dark moment of world history. And when lilacs bloom, it's highly uh, recommended to go back to repeatedly and perhaps even to learn 
by heart. And he's speaking to the thrush all throughout the poem, and the bird is speaking for him as if it's become the voice of the land and the voice of woe and sorrow and death after the loss of a great treat leader. Let me just do the, I don't know it by heart, so I have to read it. Let me just do the end of the poem. It's very beautiful. In the tallying chant, the echo aroused in my soul. With a lustrous and drooping star, with a countenance full of woe. With the holders holding my hand, nearing the call of the bird. Comrades mine, and I in the midst, and their memory ever to keep for the dead I love so well. For the sweetest, wisest soul of all my days and lands, in this for his dear sake, lilac in star, in bird, twined with the chant of my soul. There, in the fragrant pines, in the cedars, dusk in them. Walt Whitman, when lilacs last in the dooryard bloomed, there he is. Let's hope for the best. Okay, thanks for listening. This is Cliff signing off for picture-poems.com. In the circle in the square, rooted firmly in the natural world. Ciao for now.